This is Puck Year, New Zealand's home of hockey and official podcast of the NZIHL. Join us each week as hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury talk to the players, the fans, filmmakers and everyone in between who make the hockey world such an interesting place. Well, we're deep into the NZHL season now, 2018, Joe. We, uh, we've got some games in under our belt. Um, it's well, we haven't. The players have. Yeah. Well, we've, we were at home on the couch doing mm, all the social media and stuff. It was pretty hectic. We've had a good couch session underway. Some pizza, thanks to Sal's. <laughs> yeah. <Little> sponsor plug. <laughs> but uh, we actually have a really exciting guest uh, this week. Uh, all the way from beautiful Canada, Kelowna, BC, you got Travis Crickard. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast in New Zealand, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you. We actually never thought we'd be doing a podcast in New Zealand either. So welcome. Welcome to us just wandering through the darkness with a blindfold on down a hallway. Thank you. Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... I think you're now officially the coolest Canadian guest we've had on the show because previously we've had Steve Dangle, but that wasn't even in the flesh. So we no, got- he was over phone over the phone while he was uh, waiting for his car to get serviced. So it's nice of you to grace us with your own presence in the studio. Yeah. So you've been. How long have you been in New Zealand for so far? I arrived here on May fourth, so a little less than a month. And what was like, uh, what was your initial kind of thoughts when you came here? Everything's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, that was, that was the one thing. And I kind of talked to the team about it too. Some things that I noticed, but just in terms of what I've seen so far, everything is so beautiful here. I could really see this being a place that I'd want to live. And hopefully, uh, if hockey continues to progress the way it it is maybe one day that'll be the case who knows now uh you were actually on the crowd goes wild recently which uh, as most people know is a show that i work on and you mentioned that uh your wife natalie wants to stay here already <laughs> yeah we were i don't remember where we were going but we were driving somewhere and she mentioned that to me how beautiful it is here and that she wants to stay here and my response to that was, but we live in the most beautiful place in Canada. <laughs> She's like, I kind of like, I don't care. I, I want to live here. And I said, well, we need to make sure that there ends up being more hockey here. And then perhaps that could be the case. But yeah, she's enjoying it too. Uh, so how did the, the whole decision to come to New Zealand come about? Like who got in touch with you? What were you doing? Why did you think, well, yeah, maybe I'll move me and my wife to New Zealand how did that all come come about well it's kind of an interesting backstory I'll try to keep it as short as I can it's a podcast so you can yeah you, you can go along okay <laughs> yeah. I know I know a guy who in some realms he's called the coaching doctor he's called a coaching guru um, he works at Fresno State University in California and he kind of travels around the world consulting for various professional sports teams. Actually, I think he was just in Australia about two weeks ago with the Melbourne Storm. And he had spent some time with the uh, coaches of the All Blacks in the past. And uh, he was very aware. I have a bit of a secret 
obsession with the All Blacks. Not so much their actual like play, but how they build their team culture. <laughs> and he thought it'd be a good idea for me to potentially head down here and meet with some of their coaches and learn about what they do with their team and in hope that I could bring it back to and translate it to hockey in Canada. Um, so we kind of started and got the ball rolling with that and um, I really felt like I needed more of a reason to come here aside from that. So I wrote Sean Cormier, the GM of the Swarm and asked him if he needed a coach and I didn't think I would get a response so quickly. I think he <laughs> called me the next day and he said, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that no, was like no interview, just like you're in. Yeah, like I, I sent on, I, on my email, I sent my resume uh, along with a, a note about my desire to come here and spend some time. And um, he said that uh, they already had Ian Wanamaker in place, but they were also looking for another coach. and if I was willing to come here for three plus months and do this, then uh, the team would be happy to have me and kind of the rest was history. I just had to ask my owner of the team that I work for in Kelowna if it would be okay to come here and, and coach this team and also try to learn as much as I could from the All Blacks and different rugby coaches. and. Uh, he was very happy to allow me to go because cool. the kind of the deal was I whatever I learned I would bring back to our team. Uh, what you don't know is Sean's phone, his first phone actually exploded at how quickly he tried to call you back that first time. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to go out and get a new phone. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that, like how the how it was, what the deal was basically with Kelowna because Kelowna is a pretty big deal and as in regards to a junior hockey team why they would allow you to take that time off to come down to New Zealand and basically not be be working for someone else I guess you could say it's kind of yeah it's it's a very unique situation I'm actually like I said really surprised that my owner was gracious enough to let me to let me do this for this long typically when we talk about coach development for well within our team it's kind of like going away for a week to a coaching conference or two weeks to spend some time with another professional team in North America. But when I presented this to him, I think he was happy to let me go because he's really big on culture and building an organizational legacy. So he was excited to see what I could pull from this experience over here to, to bring back there. So that was kind of... I think that was probably the biggest reason why he allowed me to go. And then there was obviously some convincing that needed to go into, I'm going to continue my work for Kelowna, continue my responsibilities that I do over the summer for the team. So what, uh, yeah, because you mentioned you're really into like the All Blacks and the kind of the team culture there. What specifically really draws you to that team? I think, I think, there are probably three things. The first one would be how flexible their coaching staff is with their thought process. I think they're very open to different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things. I really like the fact that 
they allow their players to be very hands-on in the decision-making process. They have a, an on-field and off-field leadership group. And I think the, the third thing is how important or they place a, a great importance on contingency planning. They want to try to be prepared for absolutely every, I guess, negative situation hmm. or positive situation and how they're going to respond to it. Because I think any coach wouldn't like surprises. So the more planning you can put into potential scenarios regarding injuries or travel, anything that kind of bad could happen how are we going to react to that? What are we going to do so that we don't make poor decisions when that moment actually comes? So those will kind of be the, the three things, really. <laughs> I guess also, um, you know, with like a junior hockey team like the Kelowna Rockets, you've got players coming and going every three, four years as well. So obviously that must be sort of the, conting the contingency planning there as well. You're hoping to sort of stay at that level consistently, right? Not because um, I know like some junior hockey teams I'll probably have a bit of a dip whereas a team like Kelowna that kind of have like you know I guess like a prestige about it you there's probably that little bit of pressure to maintain performance year in year out yes yeah, so I think we and perhaps a handful of other teams in the entire Canadian Hockey League have a bit of a different stance or outlook on how the team should operate so we we try to run our program more so like, and I, I hope my owner doesn't hear me say this, but more so like a college program because we don't make a ton of trades, yeah. whereas other teams will in honor of trying to, to win a championship. London. Yeah, or, or <laughs> you look at like our league this year, for instance, uh, I think of um, the team that won the championship, Swift Current, they don't have a first, second, or third round pick for three straight years. Yeah, they they traded everything away to win this year. When we draft a player to our program, there's a very strong commitment made to that player that we are going to do our best to develop you and see your development through from the age of 15 or 16 to potentially 20 if you stay with us that long if you haven't graduated to professional already and I think it's a good model because what you end up having is a team that is consistently strong every year as opposed to just one year we're going for it and then okay we're gonna have to struggle for four or five years to rebuild I think that college sort of comparison makes sense mm. yeah it's quite a unique league where um, you know you have the Memorial Cup where the three champions from each uh, CHL league get through, but then there's the host city, which have obviously got a lot of pressure to represent themselves quite well in that in that tournament, even though they might not have even made the playoffs for for their league. Um, like how how hard is that on the clubs and stuff to not want to give up everything to represent themselves well in those in the Memorial Cup? without mortgaging the future i guess so that's a good question i like like i said i think <laughs> i think that like for our team we are never in that th in that mindset that we're going to mortgage our future in honor of one year we yep. want we want to be good every year and our definition of good might be different than other teams 
but there, I, I literally think there's probably maybe five organizations across the 60 plus teams in the CHL who kind of have a different philosophy. We're one of them, and it, I think it, I think it's a great environment for our players to be in because when they get drafted to the Kelowna Rockets, they know that they're going to have an opportunity to go deep into the playoffs every year. They're going to have an opportunity to play for a successful organization. Um, now, when uh, when I interviewed you a couple of weeks ago for the Crowd Goes Wild, you sort of talked about ice time uh, comparing the Botany Swarm versus the Rockets. Now, obviously, a team like uh, Kelowna or any most of the major junior uh, teams over there in Canada, I guess the the impression I get is that they're all built uh, to kind of mimic like a professional environment. So is that obviously to try and um, I guess prepare those players for their future, and I guess probably also your own future, really. Yeah, exactly. We we wanted to try to mirror the the two professional leagues above the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League as much as possible, so that they're ready. So that includes number of games they play 82 we play 72 so we're pretty close there and then uh, practice time we we spend a lot of time on the ice with our players whether it's working with the guys as a team or small groups or individually Uh, we have our own weight room in our kind of dressing room facility Uh, we spend hours upon hours looking at video so that we can spend time with players individually or as a team to help them develop and i think the biggest thing that specifically our league in the whl mirrors the professional leagues is the travel we spend a lot of time on the bus we spend a lot of time in hotels and that's something that the like a a league like the ohl wouldn't necessarily give to the the players who are moving up hmm. i spent a year in the in the ohl and the the time you spend in a in a hotel is significantly less than you would in the whl and i think that's a, perhaps you could call it an advantage to being <laughs> in the whl and having to spend a hundred nights a year in a hotel but that's probably what you have to do at the next level as well is that just kind of the geography of the place obviously everything a bit more spread out in the western canada there versus ontario yeah, like for for us in Kelowna, our shortest trip is two and a half hours to Kamloops, and our longest is uh, essentially 20, 20 hours to Brandon, Manitoba. Wow. <laughs> so we only have we only have two teams in the entire league where we actually like make a day trip. So Kamloops and Vancouver, we will leave uh, early mm-hmm. afternoon go to Kamloops or Vancouver, play, then return that night. Every other team we play, if we're going to them, we have to leave the day before because it's six-plus hours every time. And you guys play more games in the WHL than the OHL now? OHL's dropped down to 66 the, or something now? And the guys- OHL is 68, right. yeah, and we're, we, we've been playing 72. <laughs> just want to get a couple more road trips and sound a bit longer. A couple more twenty-hour kind of yeah. trips across the continent. One one thing that I've always wanted with like the um, the junior leagues there in Canada is obviously sort of the age of these players. Um, how do they fit like the education in within all this hockey? What's that? 
you know, school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, that's a good question. And uh, I'm glad you picked the right guy to come to New Zealand and ask about that because I am a big proponent or uh, advocator for education. So with uh, my team, I'm responsible for ensuring that our high school players do their work when they're on the road. So we have a uh, educational advisor who works at the Kelowna Secondary School and the players have to basically work with him on a day-to-day basis and then he will give me kind of like a weekly report on how the players are doing. I'll have a, probably a bi-weekly meeting with the players either as a group or individually to kind of update them as to how they're doing in school. And then, like I said, every road trip we go on, I'm responsible for that. So I have to block off kind of a chunk of time where we have to sit in a room and they have to be doing their homework. So that could be an hour or two hours, sometimes three if it's a longer road trip. and. If, if they don't keep up with their grades, so we have a certain criteria as to what they have to be achieving, if they don't keep up with that, they can't play until they're, they've caught up. Hmm. Good to know. And I will also <laughs> mention that we have great educational packages <laughs> once the player graduates. For every year that the player plays in the CHL, he gets one year of tuition and books paid for at a university oh wow that's good is that there's obviously more something special that Kelowna offer no every team in the CHL it's oh. a, a Canada wide program that the Canadian Hockey League does mm-hmm. um, so basically if a player doesn't turn uh, professional once he graduates from our league he has 18 months to exercise his right to use that scholarship money that he's earned so We've had players who they graduate when they're 20 and then they go play uh, for a year in the East Coast Hockey League or something. And they say, ah, you know, this isn't really for me. I want to go play Canadian university hockey and get a get a degree. So that's what some guys end up doing. That's cool because you never really um, I feel like that's the side of that level of hockey that you never really hear about. Um, but you mentioned video earlier, obviously video is a very big thing with you. Very important. Um, you kind of previously, you've gone up the ranks as like a video coach and a goalie coach. And now you're here in New Zealand and you're trying to bring that sort of detailed video analysis to an amateur league like the NZHL and with obviously the botany swarm. What's the, um, what's the reaction been like to that? I think it's been really good. So the big thing with. The big thing when I use video to teach, my purpose is to show a training to game transfer. So if we go out and work on two or three specific things in a training session, I will follow that training session up with some clips from say this year's NHL playoffs. So we have a kind of like a communication outlet with our players. I'll post that on on there so the players can see okay guys this is what we worked on tonight in training it's a two-minute video can you please watch it and then uh then i'll follow up with them two days later at the next training okay did you watch what i posted (laughs) yes yes i did okay well tell me about it i'll always ask questions to make sure they did and uh, they've been pretty good they can tell me in detail what they've watched but the other thing i like to do with the video is 
is have the actual training sessions filmed. So then this past weekend, I'll give you an example. We had a sequence in a practice, in a training. Sorry, I, I call it practice, but in I'm trying to uh, change uh, Ian and the guys call it training. So in training, we are working on a four check and I'm going to say the player's name because he did such a great job in the game. I stopped the drill because Josh Hay was not in the right position. I was basically asking him to skate hard across the ice and support the defenseman who had a great gap. So I stopped the drill, I explained it to him, and then we redid it, he did it properly. So anyway, fast forward to this past weekend in our first game, exact same sequence happened in the game, (laughs) and he did it perfectly. He came across the ice fast, he supported the defenseman who had a great gap. So in turn, as a coach, I need to show that to the team. I need to show that clip from the training. Okay, here's Josh not doing it right and being taught what he needed to do. And here he is executing it in the game, doing it properly and having success because of it. That's like a big thing for me. I need the guys to see them doing it in training and translating it to games. Well, I mean, from what we saw, Josh definitely had a pretty good uh, opening round of the season there. And I know he listens to this, so he'll be pretty stoked, I think. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic. <laughs> uh, who's the worst at doing their homework? You can you can name them so far. Is it another Hey Brother? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't have an answer to that yet. I, I think I'll find out more when we probably go on a road trip. Yeah. Once I get to spend a little more time with these guys than just kind of the allocated couple of hours before, during, and after training and, and games. Uh, if, if you have me on later in the season, I'll have a better answer for you. <laughs> how, how, do you how do you get into being a video coach? Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about that because uh, it kind of combines um, basically my two passions, hockey and video. Like, how does that even happen? It's... So how do you get into being a video coach when so in North America or in Canada specifically, there's kind of seems to be this uh, idea that if you did not play in the NHL, you can't coach. Mm. So for me, having not played in the NHL, I needed to kind of try to find my way in. I needed to use goaltending and I needed to use video. So I kind of use that in my first couple of years as my way in. And basically what by way in, I mean, provide a staff value. So a lot of a lot of coaches who I've worked with in the past, they've spent a number of years playing professional hockey. So they they aren't very well versed in how to use computers or a video systems. So I kind of just took it upon myself to learn as much as I could and be of value to those coaches because they're going to have a ton of questions. Mm. And sure enough, my first two years of doing this, I had tons and I really felt valued. And that was kind of my my way in. It wasn't my end game. I just needed something to kind of get in, show value, be helpful, and then kind of progress from there. So that's that's kind of how it worked out. But turns out I actually really like video too. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like I was doing something that I didn't want to do. Do you think that perspective of 
if you haven't played the game at the highest level, you can't be a coach is changing? I think it depends on who you ask, right. really. I think there, there are some people who think progressively and they're willing to, I call it think inside the box because everyone's busy trying to think outside the box that they forget what's inside the box. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess you probably... People are going to think that's stupid, but I like to say that. <laughs> I but, guess well, you uh, got to know what's in the box before yeah. you think outside of the box, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I just think that there are there, I think there are a lot of very good coaches out there who re- truly enjoy teaching and love the actual like relationship building and coaching aspect that people are potentially missing some great coaches because there are some that view you must have played but mm. there are also quite a few who are taking the opposite approach and I'm I'm happy to see that because I think everyone deserves at least an opportunity. Totally. Yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, you've only been here a few weeks now, but what's kind of been what's been your impressions of New Zealand's game? Well, first off, <laughs> I feel like that was going to be very loaded. <laughs> yeah. No. So, first off, the the one thing that I noticed is the league plays by double IHF rules. Okay, so I'm actually quite happy that I had the opportunity to coach with Team Canada twice because in the WHL we do not play by w, uh, double IHF rules. So I had I had a pretty good grasp of the change in game in terms of what was going to be called and what was no, not going to be called. The other thing I noticed is the the ice surfaces are not all the same size. So ours at Botany is Olympic size, and I believe the one at, at Avondale is... Uh, Dunedin is is Olympic size. The others change. Mm. Yeah. Avondale and Christchurch, I think, are the same. And Queenstown is, is slightly smaller again. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that was, that was kind of the thing I noticed too. Okay. So we have to alter the way we play a little bit at home but then we also have to do it when we go to say Avondale and yeah we have kind of have to mix it but the biggest thing I noticed is all the players and they've all told me this now all the players like to be very close to the puck all the time <laughs> and I've been trying to preach in order to play fast the puck moves faster than the legs mm. so if you see if, like on a breakout, for instance, if you see uh, your teammate has full possession of the puck, you can start skating out of the zone. It's okay. He can get you the puck. He will deliver it. And if it's not on the tape, you can still skate onto it in order to play fast. But a lot of the guys said, okay, like we've always been told to be really close, like be close to the puck for support, like be five five feet away and the D will pass it to you. So that's kind of the, the biggest thing mm-hmm. I've noticed. And the good news is, is that I do have the video to kind of back up what I'm asking them to do. Yeah. And then once they see it, they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, that makes sense. So hopefully as, as we go along, the guys will continue to improve upon what I'm asking them. But, hey, they, I think we've had eight or nine training sessions since I've been here now, and they've done a fantastic job already. Hmm. Um, what do you think uh, could possibly be your biggest takeaway from your time coaching in New Zealand when you go back to Kelowna? 
I think it has to do with leadership. I really feel like in in what I've learned from the swarm and what I've learned from the the all blacks already is that the team, the coaches rely heavily on the captains. And it's not just wearing a C on your on your sweater. It's really like taking charge, being responsible for how the team operates off the ice, knowing what the team does when they go to certain places. So where do they eat? Talking to the team in the room before games, between periods, after games. It's just uh, delivering new jerseys to the first-year players in, like, a team session and having, like, something nice to say about each of the new players. Just that kind of stuff you don't see every day in Canada. (laughs) But it almost seems to be a regularity here, and it's something that I I think, like, I really want to bring that back to, to Canada because it... It's pretty special. It's kind of the thing that as a coach you dream of, having a leader like Andy Hay, for instance, or his new supporting cast, Casey Ball and Jordan Chalice. And there are some others too that have come and talked to the coaches about what they think. Just having that relationship between player and coach is something that you you really want you know it's uh it's such a different change for the swarm to be honest because you know for the last couple of years um we've sort of been a bit critical of them just uh it's obviously it's been a lot of the same mistakes um repeated over and over again the discipline has been like really poor and that's what's hurt them big in the past um whereas prior to that um they were one of the powerhouses of the league um, back when Ian was playing. You know, they, they've won four championships. And um, now, obviously, Ian Wanamaker um, coming in and, and with you as well. The whole thing that he's told us is that they want to bring back that winning culture. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, from obviously even just in the first couple of weeks of preseason, the first round of the league, um, seen a big change already. Um, I mean... <laughs> When was the last time you saw the swarm at the top of the standings? I can't remember, really. But it's, I think it's incredible um, what's happening. When was the last time you saw another team have more penalty minutes than the swarm? Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, I've seen big changes in that team, man. And um, obviously, you're seeing a lot already, a lot of change. And you've only been there three weeks. Yeah, I have, absolutely. And... To kind of to kind of backtrack to what I was talking about leadership, and I don't know if the guys were this comfortable in in previous years with coaching staff. But the other thing I really value as a coach is if a player can come to me and be honest about something in order to help his teammates. So what I'm talking about is. We had a we had a training session and Casey Ball came to Ian and I and he voiced some concerns about the players not quite grasping and understanding what is being taught to them. So we need to kind of go over it again. Hmm. And then so Ian and I talked about it and like, hey, let's call a spade a spade here. Maybe we are moving a little too fast. 
Let's dial it back. Let's start repeating some drills. Let's start reinforcing what we've been working on. And it actually turned out to be really good. Hmm. Had Casey not have said that, perhaps we would have kept progressing with some new things. But we dialed it back. We repeated. And I think the guys, like the whole team, really appreciate that because it was a chance for them to review, a a chance for them to feel a little more comfortable with what we were trying to do. And like I said, I don't know if, if that was the case here for in previous years, if the players had that kind of relationship with their with their coaches or with each other to communicate something of that nature. But I think that is what helps a team grow. Is uh in trainings and everything and in all your sessions is Wanamaker there just is he like a sponge just trying to take in all the knowledge from you before you leave? uh well yeah i guess you could say that he is he he he's been very very good to me he's allowed me to to bring over and implement a a new style of play for these guys and we usually meet for two to three hours prior to the training sessions to kind of go over what we're going to do in training watch some video and talk about roster decisions and he's just full of questions which (laughs) i'm happy he is because it says to me that he wants to learn he -hmm. wants to be a better coach for these guys not just for this year but for i think long term I, i know that when he and sean cormier took over this team together i think they kind of had a a long term plan in place that they they want to build for three four five years and the one thing about ian is i don't think i've heard him say win yet and i love that (laughs) because that says to me it isn't just about winning one game it isn't just about winning a championship he wants this team to be good for a long time that's this that's the main thing that he's always reiterated with us every time we've talked to him he's i don't really care about it being a good team this year i want it to be a good team for four years five years ten years basically which is um he's a he's a he's a great man ian he's a very great man um we when we figured out we were going to get you on on the show um on the podcast we put out some put a picture of your beautiful face up on our <laughs> facebook page and um <clears throat> we asked for some fan questions so um, we got a few coming in so um first question is from uh, josh kritchmer who's a um Botany Swarm super fan. Die hard fan. Works the, uh, works the live stream um, yes, with the does. guys out there. Um, his question is, how do you see technology changing hockey in the future? Ooh. That's, no, that, that's, I mean, that's quite broad, but yeah, <laughs> you could, I mean, maybe to your role specifically with video. Yeah, it's it's changing every year. Uh, you, you watch NHL games, they have iPads on the bench. Mm. If you were to come see a Kelowna Rockets training session, we have iPads on the ice filming a sequence of like one rep of a drill and then literally giving on the spot feedback from the iPad to the players with kind of draw, you can draw on the screen and adjust it how he should be positioned or how he should be skating. We We have communication from bench to the press box uh, they they do the same thing in the nhl i think it's just only going to progress i i think 
recently in the NBA, all the teams signed a contract where they were going to be installing microchips into the players' jerseys to track kind of player running, like the formations yeah. Yeah. and things like that. Uh, if the NHL is not already there, I'm sure they will be there soon. We do that. We do that here with uh, Super Rugby. Mm. Yeah, all the players wear like a little uh, thing in their back, and it tracks all their movements, tracks their running speed. Um, I I think I did something with the Canterbury Crusaders a while ago about that, and yeah, like their video coach can track who's slacking off and training and everything. So I think in the in the World Champs this year they had a lot more um, data coming out of that. Like that, I think they chipped a lot of. A lot of players like they brought out these crazy stats like this country produced the most amount of miles skated during the entire tournament they'll bring out all these ridiculous little they move the puck the most and it measured out to be around the earth about a hundred times or some ridiculous stat i've exaggerated there but um but yeah it's i guess it's the more stats we get that's going to grow and grow and grow yeah everyone is just kind of trying to find some kind of edge yeah. over another another thing another thing i didn't touch on was and what kind of what you're talking about the crusaders i was actually reading something about what they're doing with their team right now but we every practice we have heart rate monitors on our players and it's uh we have this kind of program where it's installed into the kind of jumbotron in our arena so the screen is on during practice and you can see every each individual player's heart rate during each drill. <laughs> so if if Logan is really slacking off in the drill, I can go up to him and kind of say something. Hey, like your heart rate is only at fifty percent here. This is a hard drill. It should be at eighty mm. percent. And I know there sometimes these things don't work exactly how you want them to, but. It just gives us another avenue to kind of use to coach our players or push them a little more. You can tell which guy's going to the back of the line every time and kind of <laughs> staying there. And I just got to tie my skates up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got one more fan question. I think another one you already touched on, obviously, um, like analytics and stuff. Uh, you employ that already with the Kelowna Rockets. I wish it was something that we did here, but um, there's there's a lot of stats that we don't track here to make that even possible, um, which, I mean, I'd like to see in the future. I think a lot of that comes down to what we use with the IHF. But um, as far as uh, players go on the Kelowna Rockets, uh, I believe Kyle Toppin is draft eligible, coming up to be draft eligible. And um, one of one of our uh, listeners, uh, frequent listeners, John, he um, he wants to know, like, what do you think the future holds f- for Kyle? Um, do you think he can realistically take a, a leading role from next season? And uh, what do you think his projected future is as like an NHL player? It's a good question. I I think heading into next year, Kyle is probably going to be one of our top three forwards. No doubt, he had a pretty good season for us this year and his draft year and. He'll get taken in the draft. I'm not sure where. I would suspect probably somewhere between three and five, round three and five. If higher or lower, so be it, but he will be taken. And I think his future will solely depend on how much he improves his skating. Because as we see today, the game is all about skating. Teams will take players who aren't, that intelligent in favor of being a very good fast skater 
And I think that's an area where Kyle can continue to work on. He is, and he continues to do so. And if he can do that, I think, yeah, he should be able to make it. In what capacity? Probably a bottom six forward in a in kind of like a checking role, penalty kill guy. He's pretty good on draws, so he can find himself a home. And if he really wants to do that, he can get there. He sounds like a guy that Mike Babcock would like. And the, and those guys always, they start as a bottom six and then they get an opportunity to maybe go up on the second line or something and they perform well and they always kind of exceed what people think that they could do but they're actually super, super skilled players and skaters that it's not out of the ordinary that they can do well in that kind of top six role. Yeah, actually that's kind of what happened to him with us in Kelowna. His first year as a 17-year-old, he was a bottom six guy kind of stayed on the fourth line all year and coming into this year we weren't quite sure is he going to be kind of that seven eight spot and he got an opportunity to play in our top six right away we had a few guys still away at nhl camps and he did real well and he ended up staying there the rest of the year so that could be the case for him at the professional level too but when you talk about mike babcock i know he's a he's a driver he pushes his players hard and I think that's my favorite part about Kyle is he wants you to drive him hard and he can take it and he wants it. He told me. That's cool. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, but uh, Travis, thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, like, we're loving what you're already bringing to the NZIHL and kind of hoping that sort of creates this... Um, I guess like the butterfly effect really you, you're starting it with a swarm and maybe other teams will see what's going on for that team now the changeover and uh, they'll be creating this thing and maybe the league just gets better and better from here because of you know some of the practices that you're bringing in so thanks for uh, coming down to Kelowna and uh, we hope that you guys keep coming back oh thank you and I just I wanted to before I go uh, commend you guys I don't know everything that you do, but what I've seen already is you guys put in a ton of work to kind of try to promote hockey and the NZ IHL, and you guys do really good work from what I've seen already. So on behalf of the Swarm and everyone else here, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, mate. Puck Yeah, it's New Zealand's hockey podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or with your favorite podcast app for the latest episodes. Follow the team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast. And for your fix of hockey news, go to puckyear.nz.